Laura and I were talking about uh, celebrations, and we also wanted to lift up, there was a wonderful wedding that was held here yesterday. Um, Allie Klutz and Brad Sforza, along with their kids, Ford and Penelope, and we were standing right here and, um, and inviting God's blessing, and it is wonderful to have you with us this morning on the first day of your honeymoon. Priorities, there you go. So as it's been mentioned, today is the first Sunday of Advent, and uh, with this focus being on hope, we turn to what may at first seem to be an unusual passage of Scripture at this time of year, because it comes from the Old Testament book of Chronicles, and it's about a man who you probably have never heard of. His name is Jabez. And yet, even though he's pretty obscure, he's been remembered for 3,000 years, not because he was a king, not because he was a prophet, or because he was rich or powerful, but because he prayed a little prayer, and then he lived it out. And through that prayer and through that example and the light that he shines, lives change. And This is found in the first book of Chronicles, chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. And just before I read these passages, it's helpful for us to know that there are also eight other passages, eight other verses that precede these verses of 9 and 10. And the reason why um, we're not reading these is because I don't want to bore you to death. Because what they do in these first eight, pa- eight verses is that they recount, name by name, person by person, Jabez's family lineage, starting nine generations back. And it goes through everyone who begat everyone else, and so I'll spare you those details. But interestingly, in that long list, it names every father and their sons until, intriguingly, you get to Jabez. And at that point, it says this. And here's our passage. It says, Jabez was honored more than his brothers. And his mother named him Jabez, which means pain. It means trouble and suffering. Because she said, I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from hurt and harm. And God granted what he asked. And that is it. It is simple. It is elegant, and it is powerful. May God bless me. May you be with me. May you keep me from hurt and harm. God, may you bless our understanding and our living of this word of abundant life. Forging hope. Growing up, I used to think that hope was weak, that hope was passive, that hope was not dependable, 
Like maybe, you know, maybe you get something you hope for, and maybe you don't. Like, I hope my team wins. I hope I win the lottery. It seemed like wishful thinking. But this morning, we're going to get to know hope as something that is not something that you passively just sit back and wait for. But we're going to talk about what, what I termed in last week's men's group, hope with teeth on it. <laughs> and they said, really? I said, yeah. Something that we make happen that is powerful. What am I talking about, hope with teeth on it? You know, a few months ago, we had just found out about how United Illuminating had been deceiving us. All of Southport, all of Fairfield, Bridgeport. How they slipped by their plans to clear-cut seven miles worth of trees and take 19 acres of land by easements and eminent domain and put up a whole brand new seven-mile-long strip of 10 to 20-story tall towering poles higher than any building in Southport or Fairfield, literally making the high-voltage wires and towers, making themselves the centerpiece and the highest over everything in our town, seen by miles, taking 6,800 square feet of our church property, for free. Who'd like to have a 6,800 square foot house for free? But who can fight them? They're big. They're powerful. It takes time. It takes tenacity. It takes effort. It takes money. They have the state behind them. And they were and they are plowing through, trampling over everyone. And they were and they are almost done with their approval process. Who can stop them? It was like they took the wind out of our sails. Then there was a very small group of people who found out what was happening, who found out what they were doing, and who said no. And we started taking action. We started letting people know. We started writing to our community, contacting our elected leaders, taking the effort to attend their their very boring meetings. (laughs) Some of you, I have signed on to those meetings. You know what I'm talking about. We took the effort to organize a protest, create signs, put out the signs, work to get publicity, work behind the scenes, raise money. You guys have, many of you have donated money to defend. It's going to cost a lot, hundreds of thousands of dollars, so that high-voltage poles don't become the centerpiece of our town. We started gathering volunteers, and Laura and I and several of our church members and I'm going to mention their names, Tim Stort, Tammy Chapman, John Trainer, Dave Stort, and community members have been put in dozens of hours a week for months to fight this. And you have start, started to donate and join the fight, and others have. Before we started, before we started, almost no one, including us, knew about this, and almost no one was fighting why it's too overpowering. 
There is no hope. You know what happens, though, when one person, when one group fights and starts trying for the benefit of others? The whole town of Bridgeport at first wasn't even fighting. United Illuminated was too big of an adversary. But now people have begun feeling the strength and are signing on and feeling the hope. Just recently, the town of Bridgeport, big town of Bridgeport, just signed on to join the fight. Why? Because when one person and when one group fights and tries, that creates hope. Now there's hope. Now there is hope because of all of this drudgery work that's put in by a relative few. And what started with a few has grown with continuing effort and money and more boring meetings and letters written and lawyers hided. There's hope with teeth on it. Hope that has been fought for. Hope that has been created worked into existence out of despair. Forging this kind of hope is what our faith is about. Despair is contagious. Faith is also contagious. When somebody believes in you, when somebody is going to fight for you and feels that you are worth it, as a human being, that will change your life. Last Thursday night, Laura and I and many people from our church and community went to an event to support a different kind of hope. A hope that has been forged by some of our own church members with the creation of educational opportunities supporting children from Bridgeport who if people did not do anything and were more comfortable just going golfing and sitting at home, they would be without hope and without help. And their education and their futures, their possibility to rise up and to rise out would be dim. But the other night, we celebrated the efforts of, of a couple of our church members, Brad and Barbara Evans, sorry for embarrassing you. But they helped create the Sacred Heart Horizons program that we also support as a church. That by the hard work and dedication and contributions from a whole host of people, including a couple of our members who, who, who put the thing on, Alyssa Ryan and Paige Tremaine, they have literally created life-saving hope. The kind of hope, this isn't the kind of hope that just falls out of the sky, that maybe happens or doesn't happen, but hope that has been forged. I have this image of a, of a blacksmith in his shop or her shop. There's sweat dripping, there is the red hot fire, and this blacksmith is pulling out with tongs the, the iron and just slapping it onto the anvil, and then just begins pounding away on that red hot iron into a shape that the blacksmith has in mind. That's how I envision this kind of, of hope. 
that faith creates. We create hope. So don't sit on the sidelines. Commit. Contribute. Forge this kind of hope. And by the way, you know what? I am also, when I was sitting there on Thursday night and I was thinking about this, those horizons that have been created through Sacred Heart, I'm so proud of our church's leadership in so many areas where we forge hope and get involved and commit and give. I think about the leadership of so many of these kind of inner city educational efforts where Christina Whitaker, she's one of our members, she's the executive director of Greens Farms Academy Horizons program. Tim Stewart helped create the Shepherds program. Real life cases of hammering life-saving help into existence. And that's why we turn to this man, Jabez, because he creates this kind of posture. And he did this not from a position of, of strength or privilege. He created hope from a very rough start. He began his life with very little promise of hope, starting with his name. My God, his name means pain. Trouble, suffering, reminded of that every time his mother calls his name. What a powerful reminder that you're not even worth the try. I told Laura and our, and our kids sometimes that, you know, sometimes my, my mom would call me and, and my, my brothers, my sister, lazy good for nothing. It's like, man. <laughs> Not just lazy. <laughs> Good for nothing. I was telling men's group last Thursday that before I went into the ministry, um, I did some work with um, at the maximum security prison in, in Hartford. And I would sit in a room with these men and every one of them had killed someone. Not because they were inherently bad. That was the weird thing. They were kind of normal people who had absolutely no chance. They were treated like dirt under a shoe growing up. Neglect. Alcoholism, missing parents, demeaning, lonely. So they felt worthless. They felt so worthless. I, I, I've, sh I've shared this before. Many of them, this group and, and other people in that, in that prison, they felt so bad that they tattooed on their knuckles. This is a very common thing in prison. With using a, a straight pen and an ink from a, a pen, it would tattoo... B-O-R-N-L-O-S-E-R -O -O -E for the world to see. That was their identity. That's how they felt. Jabez's name was pain, trouble, 
suffering. What kind of an impact does that have on a person? You know, and by the way, the name Jesus, I don't know if you know what his name means. His name is literally translated and it means God will save us. God will save us. God does save us through you and through me by God. We take that power. We take what we hear. We take what we know. We take what we feel. And either we sit on it or it comes through us and saves and helps and changes. Jesus' name also means healer, one who helps. God does that through you and me. What creates your hope? Getting back to Jabez, one theologian put it this way. Here we have a picture of a young man who has all the cards stacked against him. You notice when you examine the genealogy that's listed in the earlier verses, you notice that it lists the names of the fathers of every generation of the past nine generations, and it also lists the names of the brothers of each generation. Until that is, you get to the name Jabez. And then his father's name is left out, as are his brothers. Why? Because his father was erased from the temple records expunged, and his brother's names were also expunged from the temple's records. Why? Because they'd done something so wrong that they were blotted out. That's what they did. He was born into that kind of shame. The thing is, every family has some kind of history, right? Maybe you didn't grow up in the most loving family. Maybe that's your legacy. Maybe your family didn't share their emotions or support. Maybe they didn't motivate you enough or as much as you would have liked. Maybe you had an overly judgmental or critical parent. We know people who have a family history of emotional abuse, physical abuse, substance abuse. Maybe you carry a biological legacy, and that's weighing on you of, of, of illness, mental illness, some physical illness, cancer. With any of these things, we know that some people, understandably, just want to put their head in their hands and say, why? Why did I get this bum deal thrust upon me? Why do I even bother? If only things were different. But that is not forging hope. Which is why you will never find anything like an if only refrain anywhere in any part of our faith. Jabez started his life behind the eight ball. No property, no way of earning to start earning a living, born into rejection, name of pain, 
In the midst of this incredible emotional pain, though, what does he do? Does he gripe and and complain at how unfair things are? You know, I was thinking about this, and I thought, you know, maybe he did. I would, certainly for a while. But then what? Then at some point, he prays, Lord, may you bless me. May you be with me. May you keep me from hurt and harm. He calls on God's promise to be a support and a hope. And then he does a really interesting thing. He receives it. He receives it down to his bones. And then he gives it to others. And as a people of faith, that's who we are. That's what we do. That's how we support. That's how we receive help from others. And that is why we forge God's hope. This is who you are. And you know what? You always have another chance. And that chance starts today. Amen.